0: Say, this is God's Word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's Word. Not Pastor Evan's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the Word of God. I boldly declare, I boldly declare. That, my that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, my, heart is receptive. My, ears my ears are open, and I better not go to sleep. I sleep. I'll never be the, I be the same, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we have the fellowship around your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come and receive the incorruptible seed that is able to change our very lives. And I pray that every person that's here this morning, they came with an expectation to receive not from a man, but from the Spirit of God. And I thank you, Lord, that their financial lives will never be the same. Because as the word goes in, you said it would never return to you void. So I thank you for an active word. I thank you for an accurate word. And I thank you most of all for a spiritual and prophetic word that will be taught today. That everyone, when they leave, they'll leave with an impartation so they can better their lives and better your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen Amen and amen. Amen. Last week, we talked about how to get out of a financial hole. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor are you in a financial hole now look at your other neighbor and say that's none of your business (laughs) and last week we learned four principles that would help us get out of a negative financial situation or would manage our money better or manage our money God's way and the first principle that we learned was to stop digging basically we must throw the shovel away and that means to stop spending money that we don't have and so that's the first principle in order for you to get out of a financial hole and the second principle we learned was you have to change financial gods and that was so good if you weren't here you need to get last week's CD or go online and listen to it Uh, and then because we looked at the first commandment which was God did not want any other gods before him and we learned that when we do not honor God with the first 10% of our money, then guess what? Then mammon is our financial God. And then we looked at the third principle uh, and we learned that we must be thankful for what we have so that God can multiply what we have into more. Can somebody say amen to that? And one of the scriptures uh, that I didn't use, it says that if we're faithful over little then God makes us ruler over much. And then the fourth principle that we looked at last week was that we must change the way we think in order for our change of money to, to change or our view of money to change. And because I didn't, I didn't really get a, a good... Time on that part we 're going to start with that one this morning, and my ultimate goal in this morning' teachings is to give you some principles that will help you become better stewards, because once you are a better steward of what god 's blessed you with, you are now entitled or in position to get more. Can somebody say more? more? So I want you to find Romans chapter twelve verses two, and then I want you to find Mark chapter twelve verses forty one that was Romans chapter 12, verses 2, and then Mark chapter 12, verses 41. And I'm telling you, this is going to be a very, very good lesson this morning. So now we're going to start out with the fourth step in getting out of a financial hole or to manage your money better. And that is you have to change the way you think about giving and about money you have to change how you think because most of us don't realize we were raised in an environment of poverty and lack and we don't know it amen now in romans chapter 12 if you're there say i'm there all right there are two ways of thinking when it comes to money. And I'm going to show you this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Here's the first thing. Here's the first way you can think about money. You can think about money God's way, or you can think about money the world's way. Now, it's very clear here in Romans chapter 12. He says, And be not conformed to this world, or to the way the world does things, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Now the world says you must must be keep-minded, but God's way says you must be seed-minded. The world says you must be keep-minded. In other words, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on your can. In other words, the world says... To be keep-minded. But God's way says you must be seed-minded. I'm going to give you another take-home statement that I gave you last week. And here it is. You must become seed-minded instead of need-minded. And here is why. Because you must believe that need is designed to be met by seed. I'm going to say that again. Need is designed to be met by seed. Need is not designed to be met by begging. See, the the, the man that was at the the temple who had been there for years, he was there when Jesus was there, I'm sure. And so when Peter uh, came through there that day, the Bible says this man looked at them expecting to receive something from them because he used to beg for money, but he needed healing. So even though he was asking for money, money is he, what not, he didn't even really need money. He needed healing. But Peter says, such as I have, give I to you. So we must believe that need is designed to be met by seed. Write down Luke chapter 6 verse 38 because it really confirms that. It says, and I'm going to read this through the Through the uh, TLB version, it says, For if you give, you will get. Your give will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. In other words, it says give and what you give is given back to you in a greater measure than how you gave it out. Which says that my need is not controlled by my job. By my need being met is controlled by my ability to sow seed. Now, watch this. Go to Acts chapter 20. Go to Acts chapter 20. When you and I understand that your revelation of giving produces your manifestation of living, giving will become cheerful and consistent. I'm going to say that again because I want you to get this. When you understand and you get the revelation that your giving produces, watch this, your manifestation of living, then giving will become cheerful and consistent. I mean, when you really understand that when you give out, God's gonna make sure you have more coming in. You'll be able to do it cheerfully. And that's why in Acts chapter 30, or uh, Acts chapter 20, we're gonna look in verse 35. It says this. It says, I have showed you all things how that so laboring you are to support the weak and to remember the words of who? Of who? Of the Lord Jesus, how he said, What did he say, Class? Read it with me. It is more. Blessed to what? Give Give, than to what? Than to receive. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why would Jesus say that? Because most of us are more happy when we're receiving. But the reason Jesus said the happiest person is the person who has learned how to give Is because you can't legally become a receiver until you have become a giver. All right, I'm gonna put it in in Bible terms. You can't legally become or get a harvest until you have sown a seed. So the reason it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, because He already knows once I give, then I'm eligible to receive. And many times, we want to receive, but we've sown no seed. Now, go to Mark chapter 12. Go to Mark chapter 12. Boy, this is going to help some of you all. In fact, if you've been in the in the faith for a while, this, this revelation alone is going to help you. Mark chapter 12. Let me show you something here that I thought was very interesting as I was studying. Mark chapter 12. We're going to look in verse 41. Watch this. When I don't give... Because, let me just say it like this. Because there are myths about giving and there are myths about money. And uh, I started destroying some of those myths last week. But let me give you a myth that I believe when it comes to about giving. Here's a myth. When I don't give, it's understandable because God knows my situation. God understands me not tithing because he knows I don't have enough. God knows that I, I, I'm i short and he knows, he understands because God loves. The, the, the police can understand you're supposed to drive 55 miles an hour, but they ain't going to stop him from giving you a ticket. And because many of us have the myth that God understands, we still forget that the principle is still enforced. Now, let me show you because... I'm going to destroy the myth with the scripture. Let's just, let's just look in Mark chapter 12. Look in verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury. In other words, the offering time was coming and Jesus sat and looked and watch, was what, watch what he was doing. He was beholding or looking how people cast money into the treasury. And many, everybody say many. Amen. And many that were rich cast in what? You know, See, and it, you will eliminate somebody needing to see how much you give when you get the revelation that God watches you. You know, I saw uh, someone who attends our church. Uh, yeah, actually, I saw five people just there at the mall. Uh, uh, and uh, when I saw one of them, you know, we were talking, and I asked, I asked him to remind me of his name, and he, he told me, he said, he said, oh, I'm, I'm surprised you don't remember my name because all that money I give... No, he didn't say it in a bad way. He didn't say it in a bad way. And I said, I have no clue how much you give. He said, you don't see those envelopes? I said, no, I don't see those envelopes. And I said, one of the reasons I don't want to see the envelopes is so I can treat everybody the same. So it's not about how much you make and how much you gave. No, I'm going to tell everybody, I'm going to love you all the same. I'm going to treat you all the same. I'm going to teach you all the same. Amen. Amen. But here's the thing. Listen, the pastor shouldn't have to watch for you to give because Jesus is watching watch what happened here and there was a certain come on read it with me what kind of widow she wasn't just a widow she was a poor widow she was a poor widow and she threw in two mites which was which make a farthing i think in our in our day it's like a half a penny whatever she gave it wasn't a, a lot but watch what happened and he jesus called unto him his disciples and he said unto them verily i say unto you that this poor widow has cast more in than all they which cast in into the treasury here's the part i want you to see for all they did they cast in from their what from their abundance but she she did it she gave she sold, she gave offering out of her what? Out of her, out of her want. Everybody say out of her want. Now, I like this because, see, the word want means a falling short. That just means she gave out of money she didn't have enough of anyway. In other words, her, her electric bill was $200 and she only had 150 Well, most people say, well, I ain't giving no money because I need 50 more dollars just to make my list of No, no, she gave out of her want, which means out of her falling short. It also means poverty situation, which means to me, watch this now, because he goes on to say she gave out of her want. She did cast in all that she had, even all of her living. Now, if Jesus did not expect us in our poor situations to give, he would have stopped this lady from giving. If he understands your situation, which is three words, situation, four. If he understands our situation, then it wouldn't be for us to not give. He expects us to give because he knows that the power in the seed will eliminate your need. Amen. And see, here's... Here's here's what I tell people. The only reason you can tithe is because you received some money. The only reason you can tithe is because you made some money. The only reason you have some bills is because you have some money. And see, biblical thinking says the most needed time to give is when I'm in need the most. Everybody say biblical thinking. biblical thinking. Biblical thinking says the most needed time to give is when I'm in need the most. And guess what? You and I, our mind is the battleground between giving and keeping, sowing and stealing, abundance and lack. I'm going to say that again. Our mind is the battleground between giving and keeping, sowing and stealing, or abundance and lack. Now go to 1 Kings quickly. Go to 1 Kings 17. I I didn't want to use this story because it's used so much, but I had to go back over here because I want to show you something. Giving is for you and not for the receiver. Giving is for you. Everybody say, Giving is for you. Now in 1 Kings 17, I'm going to show you something that you may not have known because, see, most of us read this story and we believe that that Elijah needed the widow woman to take care of him when he didn't in fact I'm gonna say it like they say on TV he didn't I'm gonna show you why because in 1st Kings 17 look in verse 1 it says in Elijah the Tishabite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead it goes on to say in verse 2 and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get out hence, and turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan, and it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded. Everybody say, commanded. Amen. He says, this is God talking. I've commanded the raven to feed you right there. And the Bible says in verse 6, And the ravens brought him bread to eat, and flesh in the morning, and bread, and flesh in the evening, and he drank from the brook. So then watch this, the brook dried up, but you would think that he was n- needing the widow woman to take care of him when he had already proven all he needed was nature. He said, you know what? I could send a bird to take care of my man of God. But, but, but see what the lady didn't know is her giving to Elijah was not for him. It was for her because God had already proved he could take care of Elijah, but with, with the bird and the brook. But she didn't know that she was going to run into a time in her life where she was going to need, watch this now, some overflow. And God said, I need a channel. I need somebody to represent me so that she can get blessed. And that's why now we read in 1 Kings 17 verse 9. Uh, he says, "He says, arise, go to Zarephath at that belongs to Zodiac, and stay there because I've commanded a widow woman to sustain you. So here's my question. Did God really need the widow woman to sustain him or was God using the widow woman to sustain him or was God using, watch this, the man of God to sustain the widow? Because if you read it, he gave her a word and he gave her instructions and when she, watch this, when she obeyed them, the Bible says that the oil and the crews continued to last. So seed is never for the soil, but always for the sower. That's why you're not giving to the pastor. Look at your neighbor and say, I knew that. Now look at him again and say, "Then act like a Then, If you and I are going to succeed financially God's way, you will have to become seed-minded instead of need-minded. And so... How do you change how you think when it comes to money? Because, see, most of us, we need to upgrade our thinking. How many fly sometimes and you have points where you can upgrade? Okay, many of us need to upgrade our thinking. And let me just say this. There are like four different levels of thinking when it comes to money. Let me. Here's the first one. Never enough. And this is a mindset that says no matter what I have, it will never be enough Or it will never last. And this kind of mindset typically is rooted in poverty. That's the never enough. Everybody say never enough. enough. Then the next stage is just enough. Now these these are mindsets when it comes to money. Just enough. This is a mindset that says I only have enough for me, myself, and I. This is like the widow woman. She had that same mindset. And this mindset is typically rooted in fear because fear says no matter how much I accumulate, I never have enough. And this is because people who have that just enough mentality, they trust in their stuff more than they trust in God. And this is where normally the spirit of mammon is in control. These are people who... can can accumulate money and they still act broke. You ever seen people like that? I mean, I'm watching these TV shows. I was watching, this lady was a CPA and she had the same pair of jogging shorts for 16 years. They had ran out of elastic. She had to use like a, a, a clip to keep them on. And she was all proud of it. I'm saving money. She was going to get food out of the trash can. It was under, it was unopened, but she... Oh, I'm going to the exclusive places. And I'm thinking, you body's poor in your mind. She is a CPA. I wouldn't want her to be mine. I don't care how much money you save me. I am not eating out of the trash can. <laughs> then you have just... I mean, then you have enough. Everybody say enough. Now, this is a mindset that says, my needs are met, therefore my life is okay. Now, watch this though. Typically, people who have enough are stingy because they are fearful of going back to not enough. Oh, and because they don't want to lose what they do have, they always play it safe. And those are people who, uh, they they criticize people who are more... Uh, Blingy. See, I wouldn't buy that. They, you know, they, they may look at my car. I wouldn't buy that. Now, I would buy a Volkswagen and save all that money. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know why? Because you have a distorted view. Because, see, when you see money like a river, a river doesn't stop. See, if I had a cup over here And I went over here to the river and I took the pitcher, a pitcher of water, a pitcher and I got all the water and I came and gave everybody on the front row water from the pitcher. By the time I got to the end and I had no more, I wouldn't sit there and cry and go, what am I going to do? Oh, Lord. And I, No, no, no. Because I know where to go back and get some more. I'm just going to go back to the river. I'm going to go back to the source because I know the source is not going to dry up. Well, when you know that your money, when you give it to God, he is the source and he's going to make sure you're not going to run out. You won't worry about giving out too much. Amen. And people who have this enough mentality, these are people that stay on the same job for years, but they're miserable. Oh, I'm trying to look at your neighbor and say, he's coming down your street in just a minute. (laughs) They stay on the same job for years, and they're miserable. These are people that try to save every dime so that they can be comfortable in having it, even though they're not going to use it. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to somebody in here. But then you have the more than enough mentality. And this is a mindset that sees themselves as stewards of God and stewards of God's possessions. They have conquered greed with seed. They have conquered living with giving. And they have conquered growing with sowing. These are people that see themselves as a channel for God to use. So how do you expand your mind financially? I'm going to give you these quickly because I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to finish up something. This is how you uh, take steps to expand your mind financially. Because, see, some of us, we can take you out the hood, but we've got to take the hood out of your thinking. First of all, you got to fill up your mind with God's financial promises on a regular basis. If you get gassed on a regular basis for your car, then you need to gas up with his promises financially in your heart and in your mind and in your spirit on a regular basis. Some of us, we, our tank is empty. Oh, we remember what the promise says, but the promise is not active. You can't just remember what you ate on yesterday and be full. Oh, that tasted so good yesterday. Oh, that was great. That was great. Man, eventually your body's going to say, but you better eat some more. Number two, you must remember that you must see it before you can be it. You must see it before you be it. Amen. In other words, you got to see yourself blessed. You need to read books on being a giver. You need to ask God to help you change your thinking. You need to listen to my series on Finance one on one, Boy, that'll help you real good right there. That's a good series because, boy, I break it down. I take two whole CDs to talk about the myths about money. Because, see, I said it in the second service last week, but I didn't say it in this one. See, some of us think Jesus was broke. We did. You know, because we, you know, you know, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of God has no place to lay his head. Well, when he was a baby, the wise men came to his house to bring him some gifts. Well, if he didn't have no place to lay his head, well, what was he then? The Bible says they came to his house. Okay, you, well, if you keep reading, it said disciples, John, two of John's disciples came to him. They said, we just wanted to come and see where you live. He said, well, come on. And the Bible said they stayed overnight, a couple of nights, I think. Well, if you just got an efficiency, uh, we ain't going to be too comfortable in that. (laughs) If Jesus was so broke, why would he carry somebody around who counted the money? If you only got a dollar, ain't that much? It don't take too many people to count. Come on. The Bible says he had a a treasure. The treasure was named Judas, but Judas was stealing. So if all he had was a dollar, everybody would know Judas was stealing. But Jesus was the only one that knew because he had a lot of money in that bag. He had 12 people he had to take care of. How much money do you? Listen, $12 can't take care of 12 people. I can tell you that right now. They don't even have dollar happy meals no more. It ain't a dollar no more. And you know what's interesting? The dollar store ain't nothing dollar ain't no more. Y'all notice that? I'm like, I went in there the other day. I was like, they need to change their title. I went in there for some reading glasses. It was like $5. Dollars. I was like, wait a minute, this is a dollar store. You need com- to confess the promises of God of being a liberal person. You must start today by obeying God no matter where you are financially. Now, let me give you this, last, this, this sixth or fifth principle real quick. I got time for this. This fifth principle. Here it is. Now, remember, let's go over the, let's go over the first four. You must first stop what? Digging. must well, stop digging. Number two, you must what? Change financial what? Okay, what was number three? Huh? Y'all don't sound on the same page. You must be thankful. That's just real. Be thankful. That's three words. Be thankful. Then number four was you have to change your what? Okay, here's number five. You must pass a money test to get to the next financial level in your life. Just like you have to pass a test to go to the next grade just like you have to pass a test to finish college, just like you have to pass some tests to actually maybe get to another job or a promotion, you have to t- uh, pass some financial test in life for God to trust you at the next level. And watch this. Here's a good talk- take-home statement right here. If you are not overqualified for the level you are, you will never be qualified for the next f- uh, financial level in your life. I'm going to say it again. You are not qualified for the next level financially until you are overqualified at the current level that you're presently on. In other words, God's not going to pass you on to the next financial level until you're overqualified at the level you are. And the only way you know is when you have learned how to to trust him with your money. And you got to pass a test. And see, what people don't look at it like this. Let me put the promotion for the next level. It comes. It, it comes once you become obedient. And be, be, let me just give you some people that pass some tests financially. Uh, let's let's close with this one. Go to Genesis chapter twenty-two. Let's close right here. While we're closing there, let me tell you some other people that had to uh, to pass some financial tests. Do you know Jesus had to pass a financial test? You know the Bible says that that Satan is the god of this world. So it wouldn't be a temptation because the scripture says that, that the spirit of God led Jesus upon the mountain to be tempted by the devil. That's what it says. One of the temptations was he says, you know what? I'll give you everything you see. Well, if that wasn't a temptation, it wouldn't have said it was one. So basically, that was a temptation to say, you know what? I can have you living at this life. Oh, I can give you all this stuff because legally it had belonged to the devil because uh, uh, Adam gave it away. So somebody had to come and take it back. Well, Jesus came back and took it back. Okay, but he was one. Uh, Abraham was one. Look in Ab- uh, Genesis 22 very quickly. And I'm going to look in verse 11, 22, 11. And let's see. Abraham had to pass a financial test. In verse 11, it says, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Remember now, this was his only son. And the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven and said, Abraham, he said, here I am. He says, don't lay your hand upon this lad, neither do him any harm, for I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld thy son, thy only son. If the, listen, if God didn't want you to give your last, he wouldn't have asked Abraham to do it. You know, sometimes God will ask you for your last. People say, well, God will never ask you for your last. I tell you what, so a lot of people in the Bible, he, this was Abraham's last. It was his first son. Well, this was his first son from him and his wife. You know, he got one from, uh, you know, <laughs> from another way. But watch this. Here's what I want you to see. Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, he saw a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up as a burnt offering to instead of his son. Watch this. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day in the Mount of the Lord. Watch this now. I'm going to show you now. Remember now I said, anytime you pass a financial test, you're ready for the next level. Well, the test was his son. Well, let's see what the, the, the promotion was. Verse 17 or verse 16. He says, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord. For because you have now done this thing, you passed this test, Abraham, and you have not withheld thy son, thy only son. He says, now in blessing, I'm going to bless you. And in multiplying, I'm going to multiply you as the seed, as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is in the sea and the shore. And your seed shall possess the gates of his enemies and all thy and in thy seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice Abraham passed a financial test he he pat when I say financial test because this meant something to him and let me tell you something you will never get if something that you're not willing to give away you know uh Michael Jr. came here the first time he came here. He came to speak. And, uh, you know, we asked what their honorarium requirements were and stuff. And and so uh, when he came, our church gave him the largest honorarium a church had ever given him. I didn't didn't give him what he asked for. I gave him what God told me to give him. Mm -hmm. But watch this, though. We got to the house, and he says, Pastor Evan, the Lord told me to give this back. I said, he did. He says, yes. Yeah. He said, I, I said, does your wife know this? <laughs> he said, yeah, I called. I said, did you tell her the amount? He said, yeah. He said, and we're both in agreement. God told me to give it back, so I'm giving it back. I said, well, do you believe God knows everything? He says, yes. I said, well, do you, do, do you, did you believe that, that just like God spoke to you, he speaks to me? He said, yeah. I said, I'm not taking it back. He said, but you got to take it back because God told me to give it back. I said, well, God told you to give it back, but he didn't tell me to take it. I said, now what I do know is what this, and and it happened in his life. I said, what I do know is that what you didn't know is what you were taking a financial test. And because now you were willing to give up the largest honorarium you have ever had, you you have just now positioned yourself to get more. And since then, he has gotten larger, larger honorariums because he was willing to give up the largest one he had ever had. Here's my question. Is there anything in your possession that God don't have rights to, 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 to give away in your life? You know, I've had people, uh, I had a couple of people uh, Lewis, I'm closing on this Lewis Bass uh, had saved some money saved up a lot of money to, to buy this nice necklace and cross and it was beautiful, I mean he took a lot of time, saved up all his money and, and bought it and everything and he came up to me one Sunday it was in the box and he showed it to me. I was like man that is nice man he's like the Lord told me to give this to you I said he did He said, yeah, he did. I said, well, I receive it in Jesus' name. (laughs) And I took that cross on. And before I got the cross out of the box, the Lord said, give it back to him because it was a test for him. (laughs) Sometimes you... Let's, you're not qualified to to receive something you ain't willing to give. <laughs> That's good. That's good right good. Good. I was in the hall. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you funny. Uh, he had on his nice thick gold. What kind of what kind of what was that? How how long was that chain? It was long and it was big and it was thick. I said, man, that's a nice necklace. And it was real gold. It wasn't no, you know, it wasn't no flake, gold plated. I was like, man, that's a nice gold necklace, man. He just was, he took it off. He like, here you get I said, no, 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 I didn't say that for me to have it. But see, he was willing to give it. And here's what I think. I think many of us, we don't get blessed because it's not even that God wants it. He wants to see if you'll give it up. And I can tell you this through personal knowledge and personal experience. There are some things that God has asked me to give up. So that's why it don't bother me when people criticize what I drive or what I live or what I wear. It don't matter because you don't know what I gave. No, you don't know. I mean, my wife and I last year gave almost $80,000 to the church. I mean, come on now. Let me tell you something. See, all the money don't come from the church. Let me tell you something. I went to speak somewhere and I just did three services. They gave me seven grand. Look at your neighbor and say, I need to go to that place and speak. (laughs) I mean, seven grand. I didn't go for the money. I'm just saying. I mean, I probably spent, what, 30 minutes each sermon? What is that, an hour and a half? That means I made seven grand. Uh, What is that an hour? Somebody calculate that for me. (laughs) Somebody say a lot. That's all we need to know. (laughs) So here's my question. What is the Lord saying to you this morning? What is he saying to you? Are you in control of your money or is mammon in control of your money? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You may be here this morning. And you've never received Jesus.